0: I'm Karibuni Sana Tena. Welcome back. We're on the fifth episode of the Kingdom series, which is a series on the topic that Jesus talked about more than anything else. I'm so excited. I was just telling the team today that this has been the most impactful series so far in my life. Man, I am so blessed to be doing this. So I don't know about you all, but for me, hey hey, Nico blessed, Nico blessed Sana. Um, just been so convicted around this. Um, this is an exciting series. It's actually, in my opinion, somewhat of an exposition on the book of Matthew. Um, the book of Matthew is a book that talks about the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven. Um, and, and that's a very central theme in this book. And uh, let's get into it, right? So now the thing is that we're still looking at Matthew 13. Uh, if you remember last, uh, last time we looked at the the parable of the sower, but we looked specifically at the soil, right? Um, the previous uh, time we looked at the, 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 the distinction between disciples and, 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 and followers. And before that, we also looked at the seed, right? If you remember, we looked at the seed. But today we're going to be looking back at Matthew 13. And you remember that there's three things that I said, that there is the seed, the soil, and the sower. And today we're going to be looking at the sower. Yes, Yes, so to preempt it and get right into it, the sower. When you look at Matthew 13, that the sower that is defined here, the sower. When you look at Matthew 13 and verse 37, Jesus, when he is um, explaining one of the parables, we're going to be looking at a number of these parables as well. Um, next, week we're going to look at another parable um, from Matthew 13. But when you look at this parable. Um, Jesus in Matthew 13 and verse 37 while explaining one of the parables to his disciples um, reveals himself to be the sower. That the sower is the Son of Man. That the sower is Jesus Christ himself. And so today what I want to be able to do, I want to be able to talk to you about the sower, Jesus Christ. I want today to talk to you about the Lord Jesus Christ, whom many of us believe in, whom I serve. This is probably one of the, my most favorite things to do is to talk about Jesus, to talk about Jesus. Anyone who knows me and anyone who's uh, a friend of mine knows that this is uh, one of my favorite topics is to talk about the Lord Jesus Christ. Um, And today what I want to be able to do is to remind you about who he is and why he came and why he is the sower. Because the reality is this is that many of us forget. Um, Many of us have forgotten why it is that he came and who he is. You know, the thing is that religion has uh, blinded us and distorted our view of Jesus Christ. And just like it was then, it is now. It is important for us to be reminded of who Jesus was and why he came. I've told you this story before where I had a professor who, while I was in theology school, who always used to say that the people who need to hear the gospel the most oftentimes are those who believe. Because many times we forget. Many times we forget. Now, if you recall, I've mentioned before regarding the context of this chapter in Matthew 13, that Christ's mission was not understood by the people of his time, if you remember that, right? Now, the manner of his coming was not in accordance with their expectations, right? Do you remember that? Yeah, the Messiah that they were waiting for, right? The Savior that they were waiting for was coming to append the Roman Empire. He was coming to do signs and wonders that would remove the ruling power, right? That's what they were looking for. That's what they were looking forward to, right? From their perspective, the Savior was not coming to fix their relationship with God, right? Him, he was coming to append a kingdom the Roman Empire, according to them, the relationship of God was just fine, right? The traditions and ceremonies were all just fine. No one thought of the Pharisees and the Sadducees whom Jesus rebuked so harshly consistently as being corrupt. The teachers of the law, these guys were, these are, these are our leaders, are great people, right? They were not corrupt in any way. These are our leaders. These are the religious guys of our time, right? But here comes Jesus, yeah? Where, when Jesus comes, and he comes to rebuke these guys, they're like, what do you mean? Like, this is, this is, this is, these, are, these guys are legit. There's nothing wrong with their practice of religion. In fact, in Matthew 9, 36, it says, that seeing the crowds, this is now Jesus, he felt compassion for them because they were distressed and downcast, like sheep without a shepherd. <laughs> these people did not think in any way that their religion was what caused them to be distressed, that they did not believe that religion was the thing that caused them to be downcast, right? They did not know that they were sheep without a shepherd. They were just fine. In fact, the issue of the oppression, according to them, was their political governance. This Roman Empire, that's the problem. That's the reason why we are oppressed. That's the reason why we are downcast. That's the reason why we are distressed. The source of our stress is our political governance. That's 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 the part, that's what needs to be conquered. That's the issue, that's the real issue. Because for the religious, they fasted often. They gave alms to the poor when necessary. They taught the law of God. They prayed in the streets in ways that others could see and emulate. They worshipped in the synagogue and they saw no barriers in the way that they practiced religion. And the best examples of them, the best examples that everyone was called to emulate was the Pharisees and the Sadducees. The people who did right and were the model of right religion, (laughs) then here comes Jesus, right? who claims to be the son of God, who claims to be the savior of the world, right? And they're like, coming to save us from what? And he comes with a message, a message that says, repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. He comes with great signs and wonders to behold, healing the sick, casting out demons. And they're looking at this and wondering, why isn't he using his power to append the political regime? Where is the fire from heaven to fall on the Roman Empire? Right? But instead, this Jesus comes instead to harshly rebuke the religious leaders of the time. He comes to rebuke their way of life. He comes to rebuke their cosmic religion, that cosmetic religion, where Jesus says to them in Matthew 23 and verse 27, "'Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! "'For you are like whitewashed tombs "'which on the outside appear beautiful, "'but instead they are full of dead men's bones "'and all uncleanliness. "'So you too outwardly appear righteous to people, "'but inwardly you are full of hypocrisy and lawlessness.'" He criticizes them for their lack of empathy. He rebukes their love of money. He rejects their outward expressions of righteousness. He illuminates their hypocrisy and exposes their unrepentant hearts. He exposes their religious lingo where they honor God with their lips, but their hearts are far from him. Jesus comes and the people that he rebukes, the harshest, are the ones that guys are like, Haya. <laughs> the religious leaders, the religious people of the time are the ones that he comes to harshly rebuke their hypocrisy. He reveals to them their blatant lack of love, which according to him alienated them from the very answers of who God is and what he represents. And instead, what Jesus does to their amazement of these religious people and the people of the day is that he hangs out instead with sinners and tax collectors, the unrighteous. He spends time with these people, undignified people, fishermen, tax collectors, sinners, and he begins to preach to them the gospel of the kingdom. He rejects the religious leaders of the time and their practices, and instead goes to hang out with the people that the religious people detested the most. The unrighteous, the sinners, the tax collectors. They were waiting for a Messiah to overthrow an earthly kingdom. But instead, here is this guy who hangs out and speaks with the unrighteous. Remember, according to them, they were good. That wasn't the thing that was ailing them. That wasn't the thing that was causing them distress. That wasn't the thing that was weighing them down. Nah, man, they were good. But they did not realize that this Jesus had come to implant a new principle in the hearts of men. He came to implant the will of God in the hearts of men. The kingdom of God, where God reigns as king. He was coming to restore the true religion of the world the religion of his kingdom that is driven by love, the religion of a kingdom that is established by the greatest love that can be expressed. In John 15 and verse 13, it says, that greater love has no one than this, that a person will lay down his life for his friends. Jesus' very presence among sinners and tax collectors represented God's mission and essence. In that he says, for God so loved the world that he gave, that he sacrificed his only son so that whosoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. I want to remind you of who Jesus was and who Jesus is. Jesus hung out with sinners and tax collectors. And that was his mission. To heal the sick, both physically and emotionally. To free those who were bound, both physically and emotionally. This is the Jesus who came. It says in Matthew nine eleven to verse 13. And when the Pharisees saw this, they said to his disciples, Why is your teacher eating? with the tax collectors and sinners. But when Jesus heard this, he said, it is not those who are healthy who need a physician, but those who are sick. Now go and learn what this means. I desire compassion rather than sacrifice. For I did not come to call the righteous, but sinners. This Jesus, the sower, comes both as a lamb, and shepherd. He is the lamb that is slain on behalf of sinners and the shepherd that leads these sinners to righteousness. Jesus did not come for the righteous, He came to redeem those that were unrighteous and give them the path to life. When Jesus came, He came as a Savior, and through His death and resurrection, He took his place as king of the kingdom that he preached. Every single kingdom is governed by laws, and the law of the kingdom of Jesus Christ is love. He says to his disciples in John 13 and 35, that by this everyone will know that you are my disciples, if you love one another. And so the righteousness of the written law is fully fulfilled in him and through him. The law is accomplished so that we now who have put our faith in Him can live in His law, the law of love. The sower is Jesus Christ, who came to sow this message of hope, this message of peace, this message of reconciliation, this message of restoration, this message of His inexhaustible love for sinners. The thing that I want to remind you, is that we have forgotten about Jesus. The Jesus who hung out with sinners and tax collectors and was ridiculed for it. We have forgotten about the Jesus that rebuked religious people but showed compassion to those that were in distress. We forgot about the shepherd that left the 99 to go for the one. We have forgotten about the Christ who says to us, that he came to redeem and save that which was lost. We forgot about the Jesus, who says that he did not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Why am I saying all these things, guys? Why am I saying all this? Because I want you to understand what Matthew 5 and verse three says, that blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. The kingdom of heaven belongs to those who acknowledge that they need God. The kingdom of heaven has never been for those that got this. It has always been for those that acknowledge that they need God. The kingdom of God belongs to those that are struggling to love, to those that are struggling to find joy, to those that are lacking in peace, to those that are struggling to find patience, to those that are battling with kindness, to those who want to be good, to those who are struggling with faithfulness, to those who are violent and want to grow to be gentle, to those who are struggling with self-control, the kingdom of God is for such as these. What Jesus says to you is that I desire to see you free so bad That I died on a cross so that you would never feel like you need to hide anything from me. I died on a cross so that you would find forgiveness and freedom. Come to me and I will transform you. Come to me with your weakness. Come to me with your pain. Come to me with your struggles and I will help you. I will transform you. Come to me, and I will give your life meaning and fruitfulness. Come to me, and I will give you everlasting progress, everlasting vitality, everlasting meaning, everlasting zoe. Come to me, and I will give you peace. Come to me, and I will give you rest. When Jesus gave up his life on the cross, the curtain split open to say that anyone, the curtain of the temple split open to say that anyone... Anyone, anyone can come to me. Anyone can come to God. Anyone can come to God. And anyone can come to him for help. And this is the help that he gives. That when we submit ourselves to King Jesus, he promises us his Holy Spirit who will come into our lives and begin to mold us and shape us and conform us to the image of himself. So if you don't know how to pray, you go to him and ask him, teach me, Lord, how to pray. If you struggle with reading his word, go to him and ask him, Lord, help me to understand and desire your word. If you struggle with unforgiveness, go to him and ask him to help you to get rid of that bitterness in your heart and to forgive. If you struggle with lust, go to him and ask him to help you to overcome the lust. If you struggle with addiction, go to him. And ask him to help you to overcome your addiction. If you struggle to love, go to him and he will help you. It is to you that the kingdom of heaven belongs. To you that acknowledge that you need a savior. To you that know that you don't got this. To you that know that you don't have what it takes to be what he wants you to be. And so you submit yourself to him. The kingdom of God belongs to those who know that they need a savior. The message of the gospel has never been for the strong. The message of the gospel has always been for the weak. This is the good news to those who know that they need God. Isn't this good news? That when we turn to him and when we submit our lives to the Lordship of Christ, That he then gives us eternal life, eternal freedom, eternal salvation, eternal hope, eternal help. Taste and see that the Lord is good. He is well able to help you overcome because he has accomplished all the righteous requirement of the law and has overcome. And because of this, he says to us that we are then able now to approach his throne of grace and mercy. To receive help in our time of need. Every single time, my friends, I find a weakness in me. I know that I don't don't got this. I remember that I have a savior. When I find a weakness in me, I remember that I have a savior. I have a God. I have a savior. I have a redeemer. I have a shepherd whom I can go to for help. The gospel of the kingdom has always been for those who need a savior. He came to call the unrighteous to repentance. And we must always remember that we have a helper. There's a story in the Old Testament, a very beautiful story, that... um, really touched my heart. It's a story of a man named Mephibosheth. It's found in 2 Samuel and verse 9. Let me just read it real quick for you guys. It says, Then David said, Is there anyone still left of the house of Saul, Saul who was David's enemy, so that I could show him kindness for Jonathan's sake? Now there was a servant of the house of Saul whose name was Ziba, and they summoned him to David. And the king said to him, Are you Ziba? And he said, I am your servant. Then the king said, Is there no one remaining of the house of Saul to whom I could show the kindness of God? And Ziba said to the king, There is still a son of Jonathan who is disabled in both feet. So the king said to him, Where is he? And Ziba said to the king, Behold, he is in the house of Mashir, the house of Amiel in Lo-Lebar, Debar. Then King David sent messengers, who brought him from the house of Mashir, the son of Amiel, from Lodabar, Mephibosheth, the son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, came to David and fell on his face, on his face, and prostrated himself, and David said, Mephibosheth, and he said, Here is your servant. Then David said to him, Do not be afraid, for I will assuredly show you kindness, show kindness to you for the sake of your father Jonathan and i will restore to you all the land of your grandfather saul and you yourself shall eat at my table regularly and he prostrated himself and said what is your servant that you should be concerned about a dead dog like me then the king summoned saul's servant ziba and said to him everything that belonged to saul and to all his house i have given to your master's grandson you and your sons and your servants shall cultivate the land for him and shall bring him in, in the produce, so that your master's grandson will have food to eat. Nevertheless, Mephibosheth, your master's grandson, shall eat at my table regularly. Now Ziba had 15 sons and 20 servants. Then Zeba said to the king, in accordance with everything that my lord the king commands his servant, so your servant will do. So Mephibosheth ate at David's table as one of the king's sons. Mephibosheth had a young son whose name was Micah, and who lived in the house of Ziba, where servants to Mephibosheth. So Mephibosheth lived in Jerusalem because he ate at the king's table regularly, and he was disabled in his two feet. The reason why I was telling you the story of Mephibosheth is this. Mephibosheth was Jonathan's son. Jonathan was David's friend. And David, after he has conquered and has become king, comes and says, On account of Jonathan, whom in Jonathan's lineage will I show mercy to? Will I show kindness to on account of Jonathan? And so Mephibosheth, who is lame in both feet, he's a cripple, experiences the kindness of David on account of his father Jonathan. Why this story was so powerful for me, is because there was a time in my life where I literally felt like chef. where I felt as though I was that guy, lame in both feet. There were things that I was struggling with in my life, and I kept wondering to myself, when will I overcome these things? When will I overcome these things in my life? And every single time I would go to God, and I'd go to Him, and I'd be like, Lord, would you help me overcome? Would you help me overcome? And when I read this story, I realized that this, what David did, is similar to what God has done for us in Christ Jesus. That on account of his sacrifice on the cross, that on account of what Jesus Christ has done, that he then comes and he calls us and he says, that because of Christ Jesus, I will have mercy upon you that I will have mercy upon you, that for us who put our faith in him, that Jesus, that God comes and says that on account of Christ Jesus, that I invite you into my kingdom, and that you will forever sit at my table. You will forever sit at my table because of what Jesus Christ has done. And I remember feeling as though I was that guy, Mephibosheth, lame in both feet, but seated at the table of Jesus Christ, eating and literally enjoying the mercy of God on account of Jesus Christ. But here is the thing that is so beautiful about this story, is that this is a story in the Old Testament, and we read at the very end of this story that he was disabled in his two feet, that Mephibosheth, still even as he sat at this table, was never healed of his disability, that he remained as a disabled man, seated at the table of Jesus Christ, at the table of David, eating at the king's table, that he was seated at this table, disabled in both feet. But here's the thing that is so beautiful, that the Jesus Christ whom we serve, that he is the Christ who not only allows us and gives us the ability to come and sit at his table, he is also the miracle worker, the one who delivers us from all the things that hold us back, from all the things that have crippled us. I wanna close by reading a story in Acts 3 from verse 1 to 10. This is a beautiful story of the disciples, and I want to read this story for you that completely changed my perspective because I felt like Mephibosheth. I felt like I'm enjoying the grace and mercy of God, but will God ever help me overcome? In this story, it says, now, Peter and John were going up to the temple at the ninth hour, the hour of prayer, and a man who had been unable to walk from Bath was being carried, whom they used to set down every day at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, in order for him to beg for charitable gifts from those entering the temple grounds. When he saw Peter and John about to go into the temple grounds, he began asking to receive a charitable gift. But Peter, along with John, looked at him intently and said, look at us and he gave them his attention, accepting to receive something from them. But Peter said, I do not have silver and gold, but what I do have I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ, the Nazarene, walk and grasping him by the right hand, He raised him up, and immediately his feet and his ankles were strengthened. And leaping up, he stood and began to walk. And he entered the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God. And they recognized him as being the very one who used to sit at the beautiful gates of the temple to beg for charitable gifts. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. When I read this story... And the story of Mephibosheth, who experiences grace and is able to sit at the king's table. But the story of Jesus Christ is this, that you not only are able to sit at the table of grace and mercy, that he is able to help you overcome every single thing that holds you down, every single thing that has crippled you in your life. And the thing that is so amazing to me is that this Jesus... The Jesus of Mephibosheth did not leave this man crippled. He was not expecting to be healed. And why this was so powerful for me is that things that I had struggled with for so long that the Lord Jesus Christ was able to deliver me. This is the gospel. The Jesus whom we serve, the sower, who comes with the message of the kingdom, comes with a message for you to say that the message he has come with is not for the righteous. It is for those who are in need of a savior, for those who are in need of a redeemer, for those who are in need of a shepherd. And that shepherd is Jesus Christ. There is no greater honor for me today than to come and to remind you of the sower who is Jesus Christ, the one who does not leave you at the table crippled, who one extends his grace and mercy by dying on a cross for sinners, for you. And not only that, that he does not leave you at the table to enjoy his grace and mercy, but he also On top of that, gives you his Holy Spirit that you may find the power to overcome every single weakness in your life. Glory be to the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. The King and his kingdom is here to redeem you, to save you, and to give you hope now and forever. This is not a message that merely happened at the time when you gave up your life to Christ. This is a message that every single day you have a savior. And this message of the kingdom is for those who know that they need a savior. This is the message that I've come with you today. That every single addiction, every insecurity in your life, every single thing that you are struggling with, You, through Christ Jesus, will be able to overcome because this is who our sower is. This is who he is. He is the Lord Jesus Christ of Nazareth, who died for you, who gave himself for you, and who is able to redeem you from every single thing that is holding you back. Freedom is in his hands. This ministry is about this. This ministry, Adulam started because it was for those who were in debt, in discontent, who were stressed. This is what this ministry is about. That's why I love this message so much, because it is the message of Jesus Christ, the Sower, your Redeemer. This is my message to you guys today. One of the things that happens a lot of times in this this ministry, a lot of feedback that I get is when people watch these messages, they're always like, man, this is so timely. This thing resonated with uh, someone told me this this week or someone told me that this week. What I want you to understand is this, is that we are all drinking from the same vine. The same God who is speaking to you is the one who speaks to me and is the one who speaks to us. We are all eating from the same vine the same this sower is the one who is sowing the seed in my life and in your life that's the reason why this whole resonance is happening this is why all these things are happening around your life and why this message is resonating with you it's resonating with you because we are in the same whatsapp group we are under the same lordship of jesus christ i pray that you would remember to submit your life to him now because he is your savior in jesus holy name lord jesus we thank you today you are our savior you are redeemer you are strength you are hope lord jesus we come to you because you are our savior we glorify you because you are the one who causes us to overcome you are our redeemer you are our strength Lord Jesus, I recognize that there are so many of us who are struggling in so many different areas of our lives. And we recognize now more than ever that we don't got this. We don't got this. And so we come to you, our helper, our strength, our savior, our redeemer. That you, O King of Heaven, would help us to be able to learn how to love. That you would grant us the ability to be able to find joy, peace, to grow in patience, to grow in kindness, to grow in goodness, to grow in faithfulness, to grow in self-control. You are the God who is able to help us in every area that we, it is that we are struggling. Lord Jesus, I especially want to pray <clears throat> for those who are in relationships right now that are going through turmoil and difficulty. Lord Jesus, you are the one who comes and says that you are here to help us. Relationships have always shown themselves to be the fodder of where you want to grow us and 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 cause us to be able to experience your Holy Spirit father I pray in Jesus holy name help us help us in our relationships help us to love help us to find joy help us to find peace help us to, to, to to practice patience help us to be kind Help us to be good to those whom you've placed around us and, and we're in relationship with. Help us, O King of Heaven, to be faithful. Help us to be self controlled and to be disciplined with those whom we're in relationship with. Lord Jesus, we come before you seeking your strength, seeking. Your ability, seeking your Holy Spirit, fill us and help us. We commit ourselves and submit ourselves to your will. We submit ourselves to you and to your Lordship because we know we don't got this. And so we submit ourselves before you. We submit our relationships before you. Help us, O King. For it's in Jesus' holy name we pray. Amen. Hey guys, thank you so much for watching. Listen, if this message blessed you, please be sure to share it with someone whom you love. Share it with a friend, a colleague, anyone. And then also, listen, support us. Support this ministry so that we can be able to make more dope content and be able to spread this message of the kingdom to as many people as possible. And then, make sure that you subscribe. Sawa, subscribe. Subscribe, wherever the button. Subscribe. Subscribe. God bless you guys.